Welcome one and all to Chasing Cutoffs, bringing you the trail running news and views from the back of the pack. Well, hello again, friends. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ben Mead, your hobbled host, and we have an amazing show for you today. But before we jump in, I want to give a special shout out to a couple of back of the packers who absolutely crushed their races this last weekend, starting with Kelly Mims of Forney, Texas. Kelly crushed the Flower Moon 50 miler at Osage Hills State Park. This is one of Oklahoma's seven original state parks. And Kelly did not get starstruck, despite the fact that there is active filming in this state park right now with Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro. They're actively shooting a movie for Apple TV Plus based on a true story. It is called Killers of the Flower Moon, so keep an eye out for that. Congratulations, Kelly, on your DFL finish. You are absolutely incredible. One of the cool things that they did at Flower Moon this year, they have multiple distances, but they staggered the start so that everyone could celebrate together at the end and enjoy some amazing fried bread tacos. I also want to give a special shout out to Dan Walden, who ran the Smith Rock Ascent 50K in Smith Rock State Park in Oregon. This is a well-known state park for a lot of climbers, and it's absolutely incredible and totally beautiful. And Dan said about his third place finish from the back on that glorious DFL podium, quote, My hydration vest somehow didn't make it to the car, so I had to run the race with just a 16-ounce Nathan handheld and ran out of water three times. It's my fault for not checking it the day before. Definitely have to be more diligent for Mountain Lakes 100 in September. Well, congrats, Dan, on your finish, and good luck at Mountain Lakes. We are all cheering for you. Well, on this week's episode, we are introducing an all-new segment that we are calling Body and Mind. This is Volume 1, where we will be hearing from experts on coaching, training, injury, recovery, mindset, and mental health, all from the point of view from and targeted toward the back of the pack. I cannot wait to introduce you to these two incredible women, but before we jump into our show, let's hear a word from our sponsor. This week's episode of Chasing Cutoffs is brought to you by The Perfect Running Sock. You've never worn The Perfect Running Sock, but The Perfect Running Sock is always out there. Remember when you thought you found The Perfect Running Sock only to later discover that holes were developing prematurely or when you began inexplicably developing blisters on your fifth pair? Did they tweak the materials? You'll never know. And so the search goes on. The Perfect Running Sock wants to remind you that they are always out there. So keep trying, keep buying. One day you'll find the perfect pair. And now back to the show. Our first guest on this Body and Mind special is none other than Coach Lisa Pizzoni. Lisa is a chi running and chi walking master instructor and owner of the Running University based in Tempe, Arizona. Lisa, welcome to Chasing Cutoffs. Thank you so much. I am super excited. Well, I'm really excited to have you on because you're my very first coach to have on the show. Cool. And I famously have never had a coach. So I think I could learn a lot from you even in this short amount of time. Um, But I know that you've been at this for a while, but I'm going to ask you to go even further back because I'm very interested in what leads Lisa to running in the first place and then how you start to realize you want to help 
other people do what you did? I've never been, I, I didn't do track in high school, you know, or anything like that, but my parents have always been pretty fit, you know, even though back in the seventies, everybody smoked. So they smoked, but then stopped smoking. I actually used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, mm. but as I became, I got older, like fitness was important to me and I did a lot of walking. And so I did the breast cancer three-day event back in the, it was like early 2000s. I was like in my mid thirties. Mm. And again, I've always, I've always thought about running, but I don't know. I never really just tried it. And then um, I had lost weight with a personal trainer. And so, um, and I still never really did any running. I mainly did walking or hiking. I love hiking. Mm -hmm. And um, I've done the breast cancer three-day event. So that's you walk 20 miles, three days in a row, raising money for breast cancer. Well, that's a big walk. That's a long ways. Yeah. So, you know, the endurance thing, I, I enjoy that part of it. And really at that point, because I had done so much walking again, I'm a personal trainer now. So I'm already helping people get fit. And then it was one of my clients who actually said that she was running and she let me borrow the Chi running book. Mm, the old Danny Dreyer book from back in the day. Yep, absolutely. She gave me the book um, right around the same time that I started, you know, personal training mm -hmm. about, I started running camps to, you know, we were doing just short running. It was like not even like eight weeks to a 5k. So that was all it was. So that's kind of how the journey started. So I started with that. I got the Chi running book somewhere in the middle there. And all of a sudden I'm like, you know, okay, well, let me just take this to the next level. And so that's when I went to the four hour workshop. So what did you discover in that book that triggered something in your brain? Well, you know, uh, first of all, the first thing was as a personal trainer, the body mechanics made a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like the whole thing about, you know, the physics part of it and getting your alignment down. So I read the book. I kind of tried it. It's like, mm, I just got to go to a workshop. I'm a hands-on type of person. So Right. It's hard to know if you're doing it right, if there's no one there to help you. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the workshop. And, you know, again, I'm like a beginner runner. And, you know, he's talking about cadence and all this stuff. And I was overwhelmed, but at the same time, again, when I tried it and I, you know, I was like, okay. And at the time the instructor was the only chi running instructor in Arizona. Mm. So then I thought like, Hmm, you know, I'm a personal trainer. This is something I could add to my services, mm. um, to become an instructor. And that was back in 2009 when I took the class mm -hmm. and in 2010, I became a certified instructor. Dial it in for me okay. on this concept, because this isn't just about form, there seems to be much more going on there with respect to it being more like a practice or a philosophy. Can you kind of unpack chi running? Sure. So there's the whole technique about it, right? And, you know, we always say at the end of the day, it's not about the running. I mean, running in general teaches us all these life lessons, but there is a big mindfulness aspect to chi running and we call it mind with body. You know, a lot of power running or traditional running, it's all about gut it out, go through the pain. Mm. This is why I say, listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Sure, I've seen people do that and you can gut it out. But at the same time, if your body's telling you that's not the right thing to do, worst case scenario, you're going to hurt yourself and you have to take time off and then you can't run now for however long. Mm -hmm. So learning the form, we say you become your own body detectives. Mm -hmm. To me, it adds a whole different thing to running. Like I very rarely listen to music, you know, as an ultra runner, I do a lot of miles. So I do have to, but I focus on my technique a lot mm -hmm. and, you know, basically you just feel your body. So it's a mindful movement and is absolutely a practice, right? Mm. You know, one of the biggest things that people think about chi running is that, you know, I'm a slower runner, right? So we talk about the back of pack. I choose that 
you know, I say I'm never going to qualify for Boston and people are like, but if you wanted to, you could, I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to work that hard. Like, frankly, I don't, <laughs> you know, and she running for me, I've known she runners. I mean, Danny Dreyer himself is like a machine from a speed perspective. I mean, he mm. plays fifth at Leadville. His mm-hmm. first race was a 50 miler. I mean, he's amazing to listen to. I mean, I, he wouldn't really qualify for this podcast because he's not <laughs> a back of the packer. So I can't, I can't recommend him to be on the podcast, but he's amazing. So this whole idea about learning how your body moves in space, you know, a lot of time I'm always thinking, how can I be more efficient right now in my technique, like as I'm running Hmm. and that keeps your mind occupied quite a bit, (laughs) you know, it can. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you're thinking about your form and you're not necessarily thinking about, I can't do this or I want to give up or I'm craving pizza. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I like the idea of it. So it sounds to me like the first hurdle Mm -hmm. would be to learn about the technique So you need someone to help you figure out what does it feel like and what does it look like to do it and then to teach you the philosophy and the mindset so you continue to do it and continue to work on it and improve it over time. Exactly. Like if you talk to even Danny now, he's 72 or 73, even me, I've been teaching this for so long. I still have aha moments when I run. Like that is super cool to me. Mm. You know, it just adds a whole different level to your run. You know, that whole idea that when your mind is empty and you're only thinking about one thing when you're meditating, you're also strengthening your mind at the same time. Mm -hmm. The whole process in itself, and truly it's a practice. You know, I go out and run. I don't have to be training for, you know, a race, but I can go out and just say, I'm going to go focus today on my arm swing and my foot strike and whatever mileage I get in doesn't matter. That's my intention for that run. So it has a whole level of purpose too. So you discover chi running in 2009. You take this class. You decide after having been a fitness trainer for a very long time, I want to start to incorporate this and I want to start to shift my business toward running and runners. When is the running university born? I want to say, let's see, this is 2009. I want to say it was like eight years ago because I just had my Mm. anniversary not too long ago for the running university. And so I'm one of these people who like, I swore I would never run. First of all, that's why I blow my own mind away, which I know sounds crazy, but I swore I would never run. That was like when I decided like after the three day, I'm like, well, what's the next thing? Let me just try this running thing. Right. And then when I heard about trail running, I was like, I'm a klutz. Like, oh, <laughs> hell no. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself. And you know, I mean, you've been hiking for a long time, so you know what the terrain is like. And so you're just trying to visualize, like, how would you run on that? Are you kidding me? You know? And then, and then I tried and I'm like, oh my God. And same thing with night trail running. Like the first time I heard about people running at night, I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's crazy. And night trail running is by far my absolute favorite type <laughs> of running. I love it. That's awesome. So the running university... Mm-hmm. You form this, you found this for what purpose? Running is one of those things that you can just do for a lifestyle. This whole idea of being healthy and fit and happy and running did that for me. Mm-hmm. And learning the technique was huge because I was getting so much joy out of running. And then, you know, you'd press the finish line. You're like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And so then I thought, well, the fitness thing is great. I was a personal trainer, you know, doing group classes and, you know, the running things like so much more fun. And so I love to <laughs> convince people to do crazy things. And, you know, like people that say to me, oh, I'll never be a runner. Oh, <laughs> I go, if you really mean that, don't talk to me. But if you have one inkling of maybe I want to try running, (laughs) I will convince you. Yeah. Well, that does bring us to this idea of your ideal target client. Mm -hmm. Who have you helped the most and who do you want to help? 
basically, you know, me, <laughs> right? It's somebody like, like I'm 51 right now. I started running in my late 30s. Somebody who is curious, <laughs> you know, and wants to try something new and get out there. Usually my, you know, I'm going to say back of the pack. I don't want to hesitate to say that because, you know, that kind of has a negative connotation, right? Mm. That's why we're here having this. That's the whole point of my podcast, <laughs> right? We're flipping the script on slow. That's right. Exactly. And I started realizing how much I just enjoyed running and I really could care less about my speed, you know? Mm. And so I tend to basically help, I'm going to say women, you know, my classes for chi running are co-ed, but generally my target audience is women over, I'm going to say 40 or 50. For your coaching business. Yep, exactly. And I don't do any individual coaching. It's all group coaching. Oh, interesting. Yeah. My true tribe is what we're called. It's my team. Uh, so it's a running university tribe. And yeah, so like this last year, I think I had five ladies over 60 do their first 50K. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> and so I coach them and I have people who are age group winners, mm -hmm. but I basically go out to people and say, here's the deal. As long as you can meet the cutoff. And even if you don't, and you can still fit it, whatever, you're out there doing it. It doesn't matter. Like you need to find enjoyment. And that's why the chi running with being mindful and being present. Yeah. But just to let people know that your speed doesn't matter. Like who cares? Yeah. I, I literally tell my people that mm -hmm. I'm not training you to win the race. So, you know, if you miss some of your training runs, it's okay. Like it's not the end of the world, right? Like it's all about balance. So if I'm a 45 year old woman and I show up to <laughs> a true tribe group coaching session, mm -hmm. what are the types of things that we might talk about that day or, or might work on? First of all, you're going to be greeted by a nice, fun group of ladies. <laughs> like fun is kind of a requirement for us. It is like it's 515 in the morning and people are just all excited to be there and she running is involved. So I'll always make sure we talk about a couple of form focuses or, you know, I always remind them we always start out in good posture before we even start running. So I have in-person coaching and that's the people who can see me locally. And then the rest of the team, I've got people that are, you know, I've got a lady in Mexico City, as a matter of fact. So they're not just all local. For the locals, you are, of course, in the Phoenix area, correct? Yeah, Tempe. Mm -hmm. But for the listeners that are not in the Phoenix area, they can still take part in the True Tribe team? Yes. So it's a closed membership. We vet people. Right? Okay. And honestly, we say that because a lot of women have been in groups with other women that are very catty and dramatic and toxic. And so we don't compete against each other. You know, it's a very supportive, encouraging group of women. So we basically, as we meet people or people reach out to me, if somebody sends me an email and say, I'm one of those ladies, I swear, I'll give her a chance. I'll give her a 30 day free trial. So if anybody listening to this, absolutely reach out to me. You could have a 30 day free trial and you could test us out. We'll test you out too. <laughs> but, but we do a lot of stuff online. It's a mighty network community. And so we have an online community. And so I do Zooms and I coach them online. And Oh, that's cool. So you do get some individual coaching if you are virtual. Yeah, they'll get, it's really still group though. Like tonight after our call, we have our group coaching call for our races that are coming up. Oh, that's really cool. So with the vetting process, really what you're trying to do is you're trying to foster a specific type of community where everyone is there to support one another and pick each other up when they're down, as opposed to compete against one another. And there's nothing wrong with competition as a concept. Yes, absolutely. And I was just having a talk <laughs> um, just um, the other day with one of my, my members, and we were talking about competing because I always tell people, 
you're writing your own running story. Mm. Compete against yourself. Like I love it when people are like, okay, I just did this frenzy 50K. Next year, I'm going to do the 50K again, but I want to beat my time. Awesome. Yeah. I was just saying, if I'm in a race and I pass one of my my people, I feel oddly bad about it, you know, but in a funny way, because again, we're not winning the race. It's just really more, we're not in that spirit of, you know, just cutting each other down and competing. Yeah. And what I love about your philosophy and your business is that you really do embrace the back of the pack. 200%. As a matter of fact, I'm so excited. I'm going to get to be leading the Dawn Patrol, which is the back of the pack group at Trans Rockies this year. So yeah, super excited about that. But absolutely, because, you know, at the same time, it's very important for me that my runners understand you do need to check the cutoffs. Race directors put those there for a reason. Mm -hmm. So definitely don't want to have any people in danger. If there's a reason, there's a cutoff, right? So I always say there's specific races and I'm like, if this is your first 50K frenzy being, I do a program for that one every year. And I've trained people remotely for that too. And for the listeners at home who may not know that we're talking about the McDowell Mountain Frenzy. Yes. I say this about every other Viper race. I'll be like, it's one of my favorite races. <laughs> I like love all of them. But that for a first 50K is just fantastic because you get like 15 hours. Mm. It's a great one. And so. I read something that you wrote recently that says Uh-oh. the words, maybe running is not for me, makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Because exactly when people say that it's a lot of self-doubt and they don't know the possibilities. (laughs) Like nobody ever really thinks about taking running classes, right? Mm. But I think running has too much of a bad name and I really want to change that. And I think if you learn how to do it, it becomes easier. And again, you find your tribe or you, you know, your community, right? Like the trail community is amazing. Those are the two things that really drive me is to just get people running and on a Saturday night, we're at a night trail run in a beer garden after we run a 9K. Like, how fun is that? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And you recently celebrated 12 years as an instructor. Yes. What have you learned (laughs) over a decade plus? You know, the thing that I think the most is this, this continuous learning. I just love to learn. And I learn from teaching other people all the time and people teach me, you know, as I coach, I get coached back. (laughs) Right. On a personal note, Mm -hmm. what are your current running slash racing ambitions? Do you have anything on the calendar for 2022? It's funny that you say that this is the the first year in a while that I, I really don't. So I did my first 100 miler over the new year. Wow. Congratulations. What did you run? (laughs) Thank you. I did the 48 hour. I took a break and went and slept in between. And here I am. I'm justifying, right? I'm justifying my 100 miler. And for the non-Arizonans, the 48 hour at? Across the years, it's a one mile loop. The Running University volunteers at midnight on New Year's, we have for the last four or five years. So I bring my team out. We go volunteer. So 100K is the longest I've done on trail. And I wanted to see what a 100 miler would be like just doing the distance and not adding the trail to it yet. I'm taking baby steps. Like an incremental step. I like that. Exactly. How did that go for you? It was okay. So I did Trans Rockies last year, which was my big bucket list race. And that was big training for me. Six day stage race. Yes. 120 miles in the Rockies. The best experience of my life. I probably have to just say that because it was amazing. Yes. Wow. Cool. I turned 50 last year. So I had a lot of big Again, congratulations. Big <laughs> thank you. Thank you. 
And so then I had this idea in my head that I would do across the years, um, but I didn't train as much as I could. I got super busy, you know, between my company, the chain running and stuff going on. And so my plan was to sleep in the middle. I did 64 miles the first day because I needed to beat my 100K time. And then I went and slept for like four hours and then I came back. I mean, you just did a hundred mile. Let's yeah. get real here. So I understand why you're not like super anxious to yeah. click that button again and jump right back into something else. Yeah. So if I'm out there and I want to learn more mm-hmm. about Coach Lisa yeah. <laughs> and I want to find you in various ways, first and foremost, congrats on launching the YouTube channel because you actually have some really fun videos. How can I find <laughs> you on you. YouTube? Um, the Running University. Nice and easy. Yes. And where else yes. can people find you? So I am on Instagram as <laughs> if you go to the Running University, it'll send you to True Coach Lisa, T-R-U Coach Lisa. Yep. And then I'm also on Facebook as The Running University. Perfect. Lisa at The Running University is my email. You could send me an email. But yeah, my YouTube is my new thing that I'm starting. I'm trying to drop a video a week. Again, I'm trying to get people comfortable with, hey, running should be fun. Let me show you how. I think that YouTube channel is a great introduction to your philosophy. So I encourage anyone and everyone that's listening to go over and check it out. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So Lisa Pizzoni, thank you so much for coming on Chasing Cutoffs. It's been Fun. Thank you so much. It's a blast. <laughs> My next guest is a member of the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association. She is an art therapist supporting the emotional component of injury recovery. Please join me in welcoming all the way from British Columbia, Kat Williamson. Kat, welcome to Chasing Cutoffs. Thank you. So excited to have you on because you have a very unique mission. Mm-hmm. And a unique practice that I think is very applicable mm-hmm. to our listeners. And before we get into what it is that you do and why you're passionate about it, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I was born in the UK between Scotland and Northern England, and I now live in the mountains of BC, Canada. I've been living in the mountains for a good number of years and always wanted to since I was a teenager skiing um, sports running all kind of sports that get me out into nature and traveling around the world and those kinds of things have made up a big part of my identity for for a lot of my life um, so I feel very privileged to be out here doing that and yeah and now I'm I'm an art therapy clinician I came to that path quite serendipitously I just kind of saw a place and have experienced myself a place for us to be able to talk about our feelings a bit more because I think it's a really amazing community. Um, All the different sports have their community and it's really welcoming for the most part and we can find our friends and we can find our people there, but it's also quite a stoic community, I find. Mm. When we get injured, we're kind of expected to just get up and get on with it or Mm. get back on the horse and it's not always that easy. So yeah, kind of saw a place for that. That's really cool. I am a bit of a geography nerd. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you say Northern England, Scotland, where exactly were you from? (laughs) Well, that's such a question for me. I was born in Aberdeen in Scotland and then uh, moved down to Yorkshire in Northern England when I was seven years old. But then my dad still lived in Scotland. So I really did kind of grow up moving between the two places and yeah, moving around a lot. So when did you move to Canada? I moved to Canada six years ago. I moved to Revelstoke, BC to live in the mountains and to ski. And 
I had been living in London a little bit before that. I'd graduated, I traveled a bit, and I kind of wanted to do a bit of ski bum lifestyle while I was young. And so that's what I did for a couple of years. And then you made your way to Nelson. Moved to Nelson after about two years of living in Revelstoke. And the reason being is I discovered there's an art therapy program here. Yeah, what drew me to that was by the end of my two years in Revelstoke, I was starting myself to experience some things that I maybe had pushed aside a little bit myself. I couldn't really put words to this, but I always used sport as therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sport is therapy. And um, yeah, I was kind of looking for the next thing. I was also starting to experience one, my love of the sport was starting to dwindle slightly just because I was starting to lose purpose in it, maybe. Hmm. What was your original purpose? It was a big part of my identity. I found myself, I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I trying to jump off bigger, bigger cliffs? Why am I trying to ski down gnarlier and gnarlier things? What is, what is the point? Mm, mm-hmm. At a similar time, I was also grappling with other things, which I, again, I didn't really realize I was grappling with. I didn't have much language for that at the time. And I'm starting to get back into art, which has always been something that has been a part of me as well, but I had kind of neglected since leaving high school, really. And I discovered art therapy program in Nelson. I wasn't really quite sure what that entailed, but something felt like it connected with me. And mental health had always been something I'd been interested in. And counseling had always been something that I had thought about doing, but for some reason had always put it into my future. Like that'll be something I do Mm. later in my life. Mm -hmm. But I came and I did a two week, I guess, taster program for what art therapy was. That two weeks fully changed my life. I felt completely out of my depth that was everyone was talking about their feelings and they were <laughs> asking all these things and I was like I this feels really strange to me but there was something that I think knew inside me that I needed to be there and stay there and experience that mm. and so I packed up from Revelstoke and then five weeks later I came down and moved so having graduated mm-hmm. you then found yourself wanting to start your own clinic I graduated a couple of years ago now and kind of came to this place like I said I've been looking in this community and seeing a space for it and then again kind of serendipitously I started working for a new clinic in Nelson here a physiotherapy clinic based on sports rehab specifically and the owner of that clinic Lorianne has been really wonderful like seeing this gap that needs filling as well and supporting me in that and we have together started this clinic. Yeah that's really cool and much, much needed. Mm -hmm. For those listeners who are familiar with therapy, Mm -hmm. who maybe are seeing a therapist or have done so in the past, how would you define or help us understand art therapy if we haven't participated in that? Yeah, it can be a really new concept for people. And it can be one that's quite scary almost because so many people haven't done any art since they were young in school when you're maybe like five years old and then you start to have that kind of hierarchy in the class of the ones who can draw the flower and the trees better and then those who don't do it so well are like yeah art's not for me creativity is not for me but really how we view it in the art therapy world is that creativity is kind of innate to us as people and it can be a really healing way of both calming ourselves and processing through things that we're experiencing and the way I like to say it to athletic people is that, you know, we don't say that you have to be the best at sport to benefit from it, right? Right. And I would argue the same thing for 
creativity and again I know that even like creativity can feel a bit like like oh I'm not that person kind of thing but it's just about self-expression moving what's inside of you outside of you and it can look very different for lots of people like my partner builds bike trails and I'd argue that that's very creative and Mm. it's kind of honing into that part of us and in doing so is that activating a different part of the brain when we get creative yeah when we start doing art and start being creative it activates the part of our brain that doesn't have to think about language Mm. and doesn't have to think about how to put things into words and a lot of the time things we've experienced traumas past events get stored in the part of the brain that isn't linguistic and that's why it's hard to put language to those experiences Mm -hmm. and i'm curious about your primary focus when you deal with athletes. And I'm going to draw some generalizations out here because I've known plenty of athletes in my life that are atypical, hard-driving, <laughs> single-digit percent body fat, competitive. Mm-hmm. And at stages of their life, as they get older, they redefine what winning means, but they don't lose that competitive fire. Mm-hmm. And most folks in the back of the pack like myself and like many of our listeners, don't necessarily share those same characteristics in terms of why that they go after athletic pursuits. Mm -hmm. Many of us, like you said about yourself, are pursuing ultra running and trail running as our form of therapy. And many of us struggle not only with injury, but we also struggle with imposter syndrome. So not This question of, I'm no longer a winner, but am I even a runner? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really common. And it's funny, I always think it's so relative to your experience because we always compare up. You're comparing yourself to those top, top athletes. And yet, if you were to ask 99% of the population if they thought you were a runner, they would 100% (laughs) say that you're a runner. Right. All of these things are natural things to be feeling as humans a lot of the time. And it's when we try and fight those feelings, even though they seem like bad ones, we start to get this internal conflict in our in our mind. Mm. And yet, I think it also comes back to that why you were talking about and really honing into the why you do it. Your why for being out there is that you know it's a form of therapy for yourself. You're able to get out in the wilderness in a way that lots of people can't, and it, you value that. You value being strong and able, even if without comparing it to those top people, to be able to run those distances are still very much at that point. Right. Coming to the run from a place of your values as opposed to a place of somewhere not feeling quite good enough and needing to prove something to yourself or prove something to the world. Mm. If you're coming to your sport from that place and then you're not doing very well, then that's going to compound on that feeling of not feeling like you're good enough. Mm -hmm. And yet if you can move that, which can take some work and can take some reflection to a place of like, I'm doing this from my value system of I love to be outside. I love to be with these people. I love the community. I love the adventure. And it doesn't matter so much if you're not doing so well, mm. if you know what mm-hmm. I mean, because you still achieve those things. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And something I really appreciate that you said was that we're not trying to eliminate those feelings, mm-hmm. but we're trying to acknowledge them and hold them 
alongside mm -hmm. other thoughts, feelings, and realities, such as I am a runner, right? 99% of people would say I am a runner. And I know that a lot of our listeners, their why for running is this kind of concept of I can do hard things and I can challenge myself to be bigger than I ever imagined I could. Mm -hmm. And then we all come to this place and it pretty much happens to all of us, the injury, mm -hmm. the debilitating, sidelining, I've lost everything, how long am I going to be out, so much processing that has to be done from the one extreme of denial, I'm just going to keep going anyway, even though I'm injured and I'm going to make my recovery that much longer, to going into the throes of despair. <laughs> so how do you counsel people who are wrestling with injury, someone who has been sidelined and their why for mental health, for accomplishment has been denied them? Yeah. It's huge. The thing I think is hardest about our sport is on some level, we all feel like we're the lucky ones. We have this outlet, this purpose, this way of being in the world. And then when that gets taken away from us, we're suddenly met with all these hard feelings and the loss of our outlet to deal with them. And there's not like a answer that's like, do this and it's going to be better. The answer is kind of pertaining to what I was saying before. It's first of all, allowing yourself not to feel so great, which our culture isn't so great at doing. I think we're very good at piling on self-judgment to what are quite rational feelings for the situation that we're in. And when we're injured, it is totally rational to feel sad, angry, upset. There's an element of grief, for sure. There's a loss of identity. There's a loss of community. There's a lot that we can feel with that. And even being able to name those feelings can go a long way. Gaining an outlet or a way to sit with them, which is why I personally think that art can be a really great kind of, not replacement, but an introduction in that experience of having to sit at home and not know what to do with yourself and have at least something to express yourself. Because us athletes, we do that. We sometimes have this kind of buildup of energy that we need to get out somehow. Mm -hmm. So like introducing some new way of doing that. If you can imagine feelings as a beach ball, and, you know, if you try and hold a beach ball under the water and it's going to try and get up and you can hold it down and you can like keep trying to get it on there. But if you lose concentration for a moment, the beach ball is going to come pinging out of the water some way. That's kind of how our emotions work. So if we try and pin them down and numb them out, one, they're likely going to come spilling out at a time that we don't have much control over. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the time that we're going to reach for other ways to numb that out because we haven't had any sense of like agency over that we also can't selectively numb so trying to numb out the bad feelings and push them away also kind of numbs out the good feelings you can get to through sitting through those less comfortable ones right because you're denying yourself the opportunity to process mm -hmm. and therefore you're also denying yourself the the release and the mm -hmm. realizations that are on the other end of the process. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you about a particular individual <laughs> <laughs> who happens to be very passionate about running and ultra running, who very, very much wants to be back out there, who's currently sidelined by injury and it's a long-term injury, the longest term injury this person has ever had. This person is now starting to question, will he ever run again? 
And so he decided to start a podcast in order to stay connected to the community. Uh, I'm, of course, asking for a friend. Yeah, well, first of all, I'd say that he's doing a lot of things right in some ways, because I think a big part is finding ways to stay connected with your community and to find other things you feel value in and move forward with those those projects, especially, again, as athletes tend to be quite purpose-driven and quite forward-driven people. So finding another way, kind of hone that and feel like you're moving forward. And then it looks really different for everybody. Mm. But what I would say is it would depend on their comfort with processing their emotions and things like that. But on some level, I just give them some paper, some colors and be like, don't think too much. Just pick the color that you feel most drawn to in this moment and just start making marks on the page and don't think about making it good. Don't think about what it looks like. Just let it out onto the page. And once we've done that, then I can come in as a and this is the beauty about art therapy as well. It goes from that place of the non-language part of your brain. And then we can put language to it and build some understanding around what you have created. So as a art therapist, I can come in and be like, what do you see here? How does it feel when you were doing it? How do you feel now? Is there anything you want to do with this piece now? Do you want to tear it up? Do you want to put it on your wall? Do you want to like add some different colors to it, which might evoke that the emotion has been processed on some level? Does it remind you of anything? Does it bring up any associations? These kinds of things. And then we can have that discussion. Even just doing that first step of getting it out of you can be really powerful. But then adding language to it as well creates that integration piece. It sounds really, really amazing. That being said, you are in Canada, in BC. Mm -hmm. If there are listeners in your vicinity who want to connect with you, maybe do an initial session with you to explore what this might look like. How can they find you? Um, my website is www.nextturntherapy.com. And yeah, you can read a little bit about me there and you can book consultation there. And I also am on social media on Instagram at nextturn underscore therapy. Yeah, so they can find me there. For our American listeners... Uh, Canadian healthcare is nothing like American healthcare, so no. I would assume that you are only seeing uh, Canadian patients. I actually believe that certain states I can see clients from. Ah. Also, um, I plan to open up, if I ever run non-clinical, essentially, like groups, where it's more of a kind of holding space for people who are experiencing these feelings, that would be something that's non-clinical and anybody, anybody can join in with. Oh, okay, cool. So like an event-based, almost mm -hmm. like a retreat type scenario? Yeah, like workshop or, and we can do those online. And awesome. Well, I'm so grateful that you chose to spend a little time with us and tell us about art therapy and how it can benefit endurance athletes who are struggling with identity, who are struggling with injury. It's been a lot of fun and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Well, my friends, we are approaching the end of the show. But before we do, I want to say thank you once again to Kat and Lisa for coming on. You are both amazing experts, and we learned a ton from you. I also want to say thank you to you, the listener. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for being so encouraging and kind. I've had so many people reach out on Instagram. You can do that at Chasing Cutoffs. And I want to say a very special thank you to everyone who has gone in wherever you listen to podcasts to rate and review the show. It really does 
help a ton for other people to discover this back-of-the-pack chasing cutoffs journey that we are all so into. And today I'm going to read a review that we received. This is so much fun. It reads, and I quote, thank you, Ben. Hey, that's me. Thank you so much. At times I feel less of a trail runner because I don't have finished times like everyone else on Instagram. But this podcast has helped me celebrate my speed and rep that DFL status. I'm obsessed. Keep it up. You're going to reach so many people. Thank you so much for writing that and reviewing the show. And thank you to everyone else who has reviewed the show. There's several of them on there now. And maybe I will read a few more of those in the coming weeks. Until next week. Wherever you are in your back of the pack journey, we are so grateful to have you along for the ride. So from myself, producer Daisy, and all of us at Chasing Cutoffs, keep crushing the miles and let's flip the script on slow.